0: Hi friends, welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God Stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey mom. Hi Cass. (laughs) Hey friends. Welcome to God stories today. I obviously have my mama, Terry Montgomery on and go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Terry Montgomery.
1: I am Cassie's mom. Um, I am a mama of five, two kids and three bonus kids, and a honey, as my grand angels call me, to six beautiful grand angels. Five of those are grand angel girls, and one of those is a grand angel boy, and they are the light of my life.
0: Yes, it's so good, and we were just laughing. Before this, because I actually planned today to sit down with her husband, Steve, and as God would have it, as he has with this entire podcast, he ordered our steps differently today and I'm sitting down with mom um, because that's who I'm supposed to be sitting down with today. And it's so cool because he already gave me the subject, the topic for this episode last week, and the topic is trust. Um, And he affirmed that because when I went to tell my mom... She said, he gave me that yesterday. So that was really cool. So we're sitting here and really just excited to hear from him because he is wanting to speak to us today. And obviously it's trust. So thanks for being on. Yes, I'm glad this worked out. This is really cool and exciting to me. Um, so why don't we go back? I obviously know you well, and I'm sure I'm gonna learn a lot that I don't know, but go back and tell us how you grew up and a little bit about what your life was like before you became a Christian. Oh, wow. Okay,
1: absolutely. So I grew up in a um, strong Christian household. Um, my uh, Most of my growing up, I was born in Texas, but most of my growing up was actually in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, where my dad worked and we lived out in the country. And it was wonderful. Um, we had lots of adventures. I have... Um, Three brothers and a sister my baby brother wasn't born until I was in college so for the most part it was four of us for all that time and we went on adventures hiking and we went skiing we did lots of fun things growing up uh, we didn't really have money and we didn't know it we had what we needed um, my parents made sure that we were in church every single weekend so I grew up with the habit of going to church and i grew up in a religious school but i did not um study the bible the church that we went to didn't study the bible and i didn't grow up with uh knowing really anything about the bible particularly it was more about the the religion side of the the church faith there and um what i loved is that they instilled in me the habit of god being important and um that being an important part of family, we had really strong family, very, very close family. Um, none of my extended family lived anywhere near us for all of my growing up. So we saw them maybe once a year, usually, my grandparents and everything. So because of that, our family was was who we had, and we were really close to each other. I was the oldest of my siblings, um, so probably all the things that goes along with um, as I moved through my life, I, I went to school like like everyone does and then I always knew I would go to college. Uh, we moved to Houston, Texas when I was a freshman in high school and it was devastating to me. Um, Going from the country to the city away from the friends I had known for all I could remember of my life. In a very small school, by the way, my entire school from kindergarten through 12th grade was 300 students. Wow. Yeah, that was huge. Very small. (laughs) And then when we came to Houston, just my graduating class was 611. So it was very much a culture shock for me, very much, Uh, let alone the weather differences and all those things. Um, We found a good church here, and I I got friends that way. And then uh, went through high school, um, went away to college um, to Texas Tech. My first venture out was, like a lot of teenagers, as far as I could go away from home and still be in the state of Texas, (laughs) Um, because I wanted to be so independent. And um, there's a lot of things that happened then, um, so I won't go into all the details, but I did not become a Christian until I was 24 years old.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I knew that because you became a Christian, actually, after I was already born. Yep. And so by this point, you already had my sister. Mm -hmm. So I guess we are going to go into it a little bit. Actually,
1: I was 28. I said 24. I was 28 when I became a Christian. Oh, 28. Okay. 28. Yeah, because you were born when I was 24. Yeah, I was 28. Oh,
0: okay. Yep. Okay.
1: Go ahead. No, no, no. That's okay. (laughs) Um, That, yeah, I was older and I had already married your dad. Um, I had been married to your sister's dad that you met at Texas Tech. That right? I met at Tech and got married too young, um, as a lot of people do, and didn't do any of the things we were supposed to do to make sure that that was going to have longevity.
0: So we divorced when Ashley was not quite two years old. Do you say too young? You think that there's you can be too young, age to get to get married or maturity wise? everything for us I can't speak for anyone else but for us we had not had enough life
1: experiences we certainly didn't have the spiritual strength that we needed to be united we were extremely unequally yoked but I did not know that um, just in life in general and we just didn't date long enough we, we just didn't do any of the things that you should do we had it pretty backwards and how long did you, were y'all married for? We were married almost two years. I actually got pregnant with Ashley when I
0: was engaged. Okay, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so Ashley was born. you all were married when yeah. she was born. And then you were married like a year? We were married about almost... We were two years when we got divorced, but about a year and a half when we separated. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And so then how did you meet my dad? So I met your dad um, the hard way. Um, I was unhappy in my marriage. And, um, really struggling, knew that I had made a mistake, um, because of me, primarily because of me, it just, nothing about it had gone in the order that God wants us to go in. And I had gotten a job working to try to bring income into our home. And, um, I was working with your dad and eventually for your dad. And, um, I began having an affair with him. Yeah. When Ashley was a little over a year old. And then um, I just, I did it again. I I went, we went too fast, got married. I was looking for stability. I was looking for what my parents had and he seemed to have more stability. And so he was a lot older than me. He was 14 years older than me. And um, I, again, went for what seemed to look like the right thing to do. Um, And we were married for 19 years um, and
0: I came. You came. I was a
1: honeymoon baby. You were right? a honeymoon baby. Yes, you were. <laughs> the only time I've been to Vegas was in your womb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had talked about from the beginning, he didn't have any children. He'd been married twice before and divorced. And he didn't have children. He wanted a child. And I did not want any more children, actually, when I met your dad. But he wanted one so bad. And by then, enough time had gone by to forget how rough pregnancy was on me. And I said, you know what, I do too. And so we had planned that we would start trying immediately. It just was even more immediate than we realized. (laughs) And it was fantastic. And Ashley was very excited to have a sister and it was wonderful.
0: So that was a big, big blessing. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you had me. (laughs) Me We wouldn't have this podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Okay. So then you were married, like you said, 19 and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then what happened?
1: Uh well let me back up a little bit in that time frame so we were married for um gosh it was almost six years at that point um, before I became a Christian oh yeah yeah that was a big change um we seemed to like a lot of the same things all the all the things you're looking for we were definitely best friends um he was fun to be around and great adventures and I learned from him and he learned from me and. He was successful in his career, and so that was a a great thing, and um, the two of you girls were just so close, and all those things were right. Our families were wonderful. I mean, there were some really great things, and I had a hole inside of me. Um, We had talked about in the time that we were dating um, that he would maybe even convert to my religion that I had grown up in, and I don't know. I was really struggling with that. I wasn't sure that was the right thing. Um, after my divorce, um, the way that it was handled by the church that I was attending, I actually left the church for five years, and wanted nothing to do with the church because I had gotten really burned, um, and basically made to feel like I had sinned beyond what was possible to be forgiven, and wasn't welcome in the church, and and did something atrocious, and. The people that I'd loved me so much, I, it felt like they betrayed me in that time. However, uh, your dad said, hey, why don't you try the church that I grew up in? And I said, the, the, the denomination that I grew up in. And I said, okay. So we started attending a church he actually had grown up in. And um, every weekend we would go and he liked the back row. It was a fairly good sized church. And every single weekend that we would go, I would cry through the entire service. I didn't know why. I just cried. I couldn't explain why. And finally, one time he looked at me and he said, listen, what is going on? Why do you keep crying? And what, why are you so unhappy? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, if you don't stop, we're not coming back here because I don't want this to be what's
0: happening. This is, this is terrible. And I said okay. And you did you feel that unhappy? Is that what you how you would describe I, I felt, it?
1: I felt like something was missing. Like there was something empty, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And everything that I tried to make it be happy wasn't working. I thought it would I would be happy now because I had the right husband, and I had the right family, and we had, you know, some money, and and things were heading in the right direction. But I didn't feel the happiness that I thought I was looking for. And I and I really can put it in words better now than I could then. Um, but that particular Sunday, um, the pastor of the church made a statement. in this communion. And um, I'm not a back row person. I'm a front row person because I get easily distracted if I sit very far back. But when he started talking, it caught my attention. And it happened to be a Methodist church. He said everyone is welcome at this table. This is not the Methodist table, the Baptist table, the Catholic table. He went through this whole list of denominations. It is the Lord's table. And this is the Lord's supper and all are welcome. And for the first time, I felt like God was talking to me. I just didn't know what he was saying. But I was like, he's telling me something here. that I've never heard that before. If In the church that I grew up in, You couldn't go to communion if you weren't not only that denomination, but an active member. And I'd never heard it that anyone could come. It's God's table. It's no one else's and everyone's welcome. And that started my journey of curiosity. Not long after that, there was a women's retreat at that church and I had not made friends yet. And I decided to really step out of my comfort zone and register for that retreat in hopes of making friends And of course, I'm a big fat chicken. So I talked my mom into going with me. um, And that was interesting too, because she was solidly active in the denomination that I grew up in. And I was surprised that she agreed to go and that my dad agreed to let her to go. And um, we went and um, it was just phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. I met so many people, but there's some that I remember specifically. We got put into small groups and the lady that was my small group leader was about my mom's age. And she kept talking every time we would have a session with the speaker and um, it was taught that the theme was Becoming Fire. There was a book called Becoming Fire and it was just blowing my mind, all these things I was hearing. And um, we'd get in these small groups to discuss questions and she would always talk about how great her daddy was and how awesome he was and what an amazing relationship they had. And I was close with my dad, but I wasn't close like that. And I kept thinking, man, her daddy must be something else only to later find out the daddy she was referencing was God. Wow, I just got goosebumps. I had never heard anyone in my life call God daddy. It almost felt like a violation, like we're supposed to respect him with this really high authority and we're not supposed to feel that comfortable with him because that's how I grew up. It was more of a fear-based thing. And um, boy, that just knocked my socks off. Literally all I knew prior to that about the Bible was that Genesis was in the beginning, Revelation was at the end, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were somewhere in there, and I didn't know anything else, nothing at all. Um, So I really was paying attention, and God so ordered that weekend that my mom was not in the same small group I was, and I wasn't telling her what was happening and these questions I was having, and it was just unbelievable. And this particular place that we were at was this retreat house that was out and kind of towards the hill country of Texas. So it was just beautiful. Just round a beautiful round-top Texas. Texas. Yep. And they had this beautiful rose garden. And I remember walking through it. And one of the songs that we had been singing was a hymn that I also had learned in my church growing up. And it was special to me. And I was singing it. And at some point, I remember my leader was Betty. Betty said, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you can. And I'm kind of listening. And she said, before we ask God to come into our hearts before we repent of our sins or when we repent of our sins, we have to do that first. And then we ask him to come in and be Lord and savior of our lives. Before that, we can't come charging into the throne room. We don't have permission to talk to him. And I thought, what, what do you mean? And she said, Jesus is the way into the throne room and he's the only way you have to repent of your sins and you know, basically you want to get to know him and say, you know what, Lord, I want to get to know you. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want something different. All that was so true for me. And to find out that I had never known that my whole life, no one had ever told me that, that there was something I didn't know, made me so curious. And in the, in those moments, I could not wait to go outside and, and talk to him in a new way. And try it out. It was like a test. It was like, okay, I am really sorry. Like I have done some things and I don't want my life like this. I don't want to cry in church every weekend. I want to know what all these women have that they're talking about and they're different. I've never been around this many women like this. What am I missing? Show me who you are. I want you in my life. If you're real and this is real, then show me. And man, it was, it was incredible. I, um, I was on fire after that weekend, and I couldn't learn enough fast enough um and what that did um in my life was amazing and has been amazing
0: for all these years later and what it did at home was difficult, so I want to pause you there, so that is the weekend where you real you feel like you really became a christian I made you a really
1: mm-hmm.
0: you made a decision yep. to follow
1: Jesus mm-hmm. and I really didn't know what that entirely meant. I had no idea um other than I knew that it that was the right thing, whatever that was going to mean, I wanted it, and I the hole was filled. It was like instantaneously when I cried in church after that. It was joy, wow, joy, tears of joy, and I'm not sitting in the back row anymore, and um, I have to be in the near the front where I can see and pay attention. And I was so hungry, so hungry, and um, to get to know him more, yes, to learn everything that I had missed for so long, and I didn't understand and it, it, the Bible was real. It wasn't something that I couldn't write in. That was a huge thing for a few years. It took me a long time to write in a Bible or highlight and feel comfortable um, because the object of the Bible was something that was holy and not to be altered um, prior to that. And so, um, and you weren't altering it when you started writing it, but you... No, but yeah. I felt, you know, that's how I was raised. Like, you're messing with it. Like, it's a holy object, right? And, and I learned that the holiness is his word. It is not the, the item itself. It is his word. And yes, the words are holy. And mark that thing up. Spend time in it, right? Learn. Do whatever you need to do for you. Some people write in it. Some people don't. Do what,
0: what he leads you to do. What you feel helps you get to know him. Um, so that was very powerful. It makes me think of the scripture in Samuel that God looks at the heart. man yeah. looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, yeah. and I think anything can become an idol if we let it a, absolutely an object, mm-hmm. a person, anything, but the whole point is to get to know him like yes. you were saying, mm-hmm. not to show him, to know him' so
1: different
0: mm-hmm. and so that 's what you were doing in this point now, is you were really getting to know him, yeah. So did you feel like he was really starting to become your daddy God? Like It took many years before I felt like he was my daddy
1: God. Um, because the only comparison I had was my earthly daddy. Uh-huh. And this was a completely different relationship. Um, like I said, my dad and I were somewhat close, but not super, super close. So I had to be shown what that could look like. And he did that through a lot of other people and a lot of circumstances and um, very much the journey of in the beginning, giving me signs, physical signs of everything that I wanted to know. He was constantly showing me right in front of my eyes, spiritual milk, right? Just baby food. Let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. As I came to believe and started walking my journey with him over the years, then it became, you've hit some maturity. I don't have to show you all the time. You know the word. You trust me. Now you got to walk it out. And so the, the walk matured. Um, it, it definitely started to disintegrate the marriage, though.
0: Between you and my dad. Yes.
1: Why? Because we weren't um, equally yoked there. Um, he did grow up in church and walked away from it over time. It was I don't think it ever for him was a choice of, I'm walking away. I think he didn't realize he had walked away
0: um, slowly over time. So that would cause arguments because you want, for example, this is small, but it could be big. You were wanting to be in the front and he was wanting to be in the back of church and like... You know, things like that, Mm -hmm. more over time, could uh, I could see could cause problems. Well, to give you
1: an an example of that, they had a church service at um, one hour that had um, kids' Bible study classes. And then another hour, um, that was just church. So um, we would literally come and bring you guys prior to that, um, to the kids' classes and drop you off and leave and go shopping or whatever and then come back when it was time for church and get you guys and we'd all go to church and sometimes we would just leave. We looked at it like a little bit of a babysitting service. After that, after I became a believer, I wanted to be at everything. I wanted us both going to Bible study class together while you guys were there. I wanted what I perceived other couples had just because of how it looked. That's a whole nother podcast. So did you
0: start going by yourself?
1: I did not at first um, because it caused problems and I didn't want him to think that he wasn't important to me. We were having arguments over it. It wasn't worth it. Um, but eventually, I, um, it took a few years until I had enough courage to go myself. So what I did instead was find a women's Bible study during the week that I could go to uh, while he was working, I feel like
0: I want to pause right there. Cause I think that's encouragement to people, men or women who are really desiring. You're falling in love with the Lord and desiring to get to know him more. And then you're starting to see your spouse. Like maybe you're starting to see your spouse isn't really doing that and you really want that for them. But if you tell them it doesn't have a good response from them, they're not responding well, um, but I think that that's encouraging that you can still get it for yourself. Like you were going during the week mm-hmm. to to get that for yourself, to get that. Um, what I mean by get that, you were getting that time with him, yeah. and you were getting that communion with other believers. That um, you know that fellowship with yeah. other believers, and there is so much power in prayer too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were doing that at this point in your life, but just like really praying for your spouse, yeah. because in your situation, did it not change? Because I'm thinking in some people's situations, you pray and then their spouse changes. Ah, But in your situation, were you praying and what did that look like? I was praying.
1: So just a quick step before that, the retreat that I was on was in the fall. In January, February, Betty, the lady that had been my group leader, called me. And she asked me to come to a Bible study they were going to be having. It was an 11-week Bible study on um, the book of Ephesians and I'm like what's Ephesians (laughs) I mean I literally didn't even know that book was in the Bible okay and I'm like oh my goodness and I had to I felt like I had to ask permission from your dad because there was a cost and um, he said yes go ahead which is great I think later he might have changed his mind after what happened but for that time he said yes and I was only in that Bible study for a few weeks when she came to me and asked me to co-lead the small group that I was in. And I was like, are you crazy? I don't know anything about the Bible. These ladies know way more than me. But there was something that they saw in my leadership. I had been in leadership in everything I'd ever done since I was 15 years old. Um, and the oldest child. So even before the 15. <laughs> child. I mean, I was babysitting my siblings overnight when I was nine years old. Wow. Different so you're back then, right? a leader. Yeah. And I had so many questions because I was just wanting to know and learn and it was a great way for me to learn deeper. Uh, when that happened, I started being very committed to my Bible study homework every day and being in the Word and talking about it frequently. And I think that became too much for him. Um, in some ways, we we didn't talk about it. Yes, I wanted him to be excited about it too. And we didn't share that. We never did share that in the time that we were married and I prayed very hard. I can't remember the exact timing, um, but it wasn't that much longer after that, within a year um, that I went on to get my own group and um, be the leader of my own group. I was actually in that Bible study for over 20 years. It was called Joy of Living. It was Joy of Living. Um, and I was
0: one of the lecturers. So many so many great things in that journey. Um, so it, what was happening at this time with over all these years of teaching joy of living, because you did that for how long? Over 20 years. Over Mm -hmm. 20 years. And you guys were married 19 and a half. So you became a believer a few years after y'all got married. Yeah. And you are running towards God. Are you, are you, this might sound strange, but are you running away from my dad in a way? Or are you still like, is that making you be a better wife? It was making me be a better wife and a better mom in a lot of ways.
1: I had never prayed out loud before. Um, and your dad got really sick. I think that you were about four at this time and he, um, got pneumonia. I remember that. And he ended up in the hospital and he was getting worse every day and I was really scared. I was calling Betty and like, what do I do and how do I pray and how does this work and all these questions and they could not figure out what was causing it and, They thought that it was bacterial, but then the medications didn't work. That should have fixed it. They weren't sure if it was viral. And they they literally said, like, we might not be able to do anything about this. It looked like he might not make it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got these two little girls that are four and seven and hold on just a minute here. Like, wait a minute. And so I remember we didn't talk about the Lord. We didn't talk about church. We didn't talk about God. He would get irritated with me if I would try and because had,
0: you were talking about it so much at this point that you yeah, just not want was to hear just it Yeah, such anymore. an exciting part of my life. <laughs> yeah, you know?
1: And so it was different. It, it brought the first big difference. The first big thing we didn't have in common, and he didn't like that either. It was uncomfortable. And I just wanted him to be excited, right? So um, I had not prayed out loud except a couple of times in my Bible study leadership meeting. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and... Uh, the two of you are sitting there and you're scared. And I decided to pray out loud. And I was terrified. And I did. And um, the next day, he took a turn for the better. And I thought, wow, it blew my socks off. I was so in awe of the Lord. The doctors were in awe. They couldn't figure out what happened. There was no medicine they gave him. He just was better. And um, I thought, this will do it. This will be the thing that he'll realize. And he didn't. So that was hard. That was hard. Um, And yet, I was so like, wow, God, here you went again. Like, everything I did, he was honoring it and showing me I was going the right direction. I just couldn't figure out why going the right direction towards the Lord meant
0: having bigger problems in my marriage. Okay, so now I'm going to go back to that 19 and a half years. So me and Ash grew up. Ashley's in college. I graduate high school, go to college. I'm a freshman at Ole Miss. I did not care like you to stay in the state of Texas. I wanted to get <laughs> far away, 10 hours away. Um, and then you guys separate when I'm a freshman in college and then divorce also while I'm a freshman in college mm-hmm. the next semester. So bring us to that point of your life.
1: Um, the early part of that time, we had spent a lot of time fighting, um, really bad fights for a while. And then we went on a retreat and on the retreat, it was a, the I still do conference back when it was new. And, um, we made a commitment that we would no longer bring the words divorce into any fights or conversations, which was a huge, huge turning point, um, that nothing would cause us to get a divorce, that we were both fully committed no matter what, which, to me felt very victorious from where we had come both having been married and divorced before and, and not completely on the same page. So um, everybody was telling me what an exciting time this is going to be now because we're going to be empty nesters and life is going to be amazing and it's the best years of your life I remember. And I kept wondering what was going to be different and how that was going to be possible because we weren't dreaming the same things Um I didn't know who I was going to be anymore when I wasn't Ashley and Cassie's mom and doing all the things with you guys that I'd been doing. And we had really become roommates. Um, You had started asking me if there was something going on. You had asked me a couple of times when you were younger and growing
0: up, but you had really started asking me um, in that 12 months prior. I am such a feeler. I've always been. So it's neat to hear you say that because I don't remember that from when I was little asking you that. But it makes sense with what I know about myself now because I really am such a feeler. I pick, up on, mm-hmm. I, I pick up on things. Yeah. And so you both were out of
1: state in college. And I remember someone telling me how great it was going to be. And I was sitting at home by myself. And he was at the gym. I was on a TV tray. I had made myself dinner. And I remember looking around the room watching television. And I started crying. And I thought, wow, this doesn't feel like the best years of my life right now. I'm by myself. He's not here. The kids are gone. Hmm. And the phone rang. And um, it was a guy that I knew from work, but I didn't know him. Like I knew he worked at my office, but that's all. And basically the bottom line is he was calling to tell me that his wife and my husband were having an affair. And I didn't believe him. And he said, um, he had been looking at her phone bill and he'd been, he'd had a private detective and he had pictures and he had all this stuff. And I thought, Oh wait, I, I pay the bills. I'll go, I'll go pull the phone bill. So I go in and I get the phone bill off my desk and all the pages are missing. And I thought, okay, well I have online access. Um, and so I went online and I said, what's your wife's phone number? And he told me what it was. And I found her phone number on 20 pages at all times of day and night, and realized that he was right. And, um, from there, a very, very rough night. Um, I, it was in the middle of Hurricane Ike had just happened and, um, we were under a curfew and, um, so dad came back home that night. He ended up coming back home, and I wasn't going to tell him, but I did end up asking, and that turned into a bit of a confrontation. And then Did he admit to it? At first he didn't, um, and then he did because I told him that he had a private detective, and then he had to admit it. That night? That night. And I, um, I said, do you love her? Because that's all that mattered to me, really. And he said, yes, I think I do. So I was shattered. And then the the gentleman called back and tried to get them to admit with us on speaker phone that they had been having the affair and then he wouldn't admit it then, which was weird to me because he had just told me. And then we hung up and he said, he's got a gun, he's going to hurt her. And I thought, you care that she gets hurt, but not that I do. And so he called back again and said he was on his way to the house, the gentleman. And your dad packed his stuff and left. So that he wouldn't be there when he got there. And then I felt like I knew where I stood. And so I packed up some stuff. And I packed up little our little dog. And I drove through the night for about an hour to my parents in a city without power under a curfew. Crying my eyes out and crying out to the Lord. And how old were you? Oh, goodness. Um, I was 42. And, um, I got, I called to tell them I was on the way and I barely had told them anything. So my mom was a wreck when I got there. Um, and then, um, I, um, I remember I had told him he had to tell you guys, or I was going to tell you. he had 24 hours to tell you guys, because I didn't want you guys to think that I left him and did something. And that was a rough time too. So anyways, I woke up the next morning at my parents' house. I was on the, I got off the bed. I got on my knees. I pretty much laid on the floor. I couldn't pray. I couldn't sing. I couldn't, I literally couldn't, I couldn't utter any words. I was so in shock. And and I had been praying. I knew something was wrong. I'd been praying for two weeks. It took me to then from knowing something was wrong. It took me until two weeks prior to that to finally say, okay, I want to know what's wrong. God show me. Little did I know <laughs> he was going to show you. He was going to show me. All right, he kept and, being um, faithful to you. Yeah, and I, I at that point I wasn't a person that could memorize a lot of scripture and tell you chapter and verse. I could memor, I like I knew scripture passages, but I couldn't tell you it's in this book, it's in this verse. For some reason, I just had had a lot of trouble doing that. Like a lot of people, we don't always know chapter and verse, but we know what the Bible says a lot of times. And that day, I couldn't pray. I remember I just said, "Jesus, help me." That's all I could get out, and He said. Literally, it was. It wasn't audible, but it felt like it was almost. You will leave him. And I went, what? You will leave him. I said, you want me to divorce him? He said, you will leave him. He didn't tell me to divorce him, and I knew it. He just said, you will physically, you're going to leave him right now. And then he gave me Ephesians six. The armor of God, verse by verse. I don't know how in the world... Well, I do know how it was God. I didn't know those verses. I didn't know it was chapter 6, but all of a sudden I knew them as clear as my name. And he said, I want you to visually
0: put on every piece of that armor every morning. So, And that is the book, Ephesians, that you didn't even know was in the Bible all those years prior. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So what was the armor? Um,
1: I literally put on... Like I would stand up in the room and I would literally put on the helmet of salvation. I would put on like shield you would of picture put I literally it on. pretended like I had it in my hands and yeah. put it on. You know? Put on the belt. I held the sword of the spirit. I did all of those things just over and over and over every day. Every single day. Every morning I would do that. And I really didn't know why I was doing it. Except that he told me to do it and I'm like, Hey,
0: that's all I got and that's what I'm going with. Um And did you know what that did you know what that was or what that meant at the time? Like not not all of my listeners know what the armor of God is. So did you know what that was? I think was? it started me
1: on a journey of really learning it. I've always been on that journey since then now to really understand it. But one of the things I like to say, and, and I can't remember where I got this quote from, is you're going to get chinks in your armor every day, so make sure you put it on because it's a lot harder when you get those chinks in your flesh. Mm. And I just realized from then on that was just incredibly important to me to understand what each of those things meant to understand the helmet of salvation always covers me salvation covers me God looks at me different because I have my salvation right um, the shield of faith protects me a shield protects you and in the old testament shield when you look back at Goliath someone else is carrying his shield for him Because it weighed so much and Goliath was so huge. Their shields back then, we think of shields as just a couple of feet maybe. Yeah. But their shields were top to bottom and covered the whole front of you. And the shield of faith, like it covers the whole front of us. And I've been asked the question, what about the back of us? God has us at the back. Look at the times when they were in the desert with Moses leading them. And you would have um, the pillar of fire at night, right? And the smoke. And it would move behind them and get between them and Pharaoh's army, God always has our back. We don't have armor on our back because he always has our back. Um, the feet fit, fitted with readiness to spread the gospel of peace. Right? I was supposed to spread the gospel and it was supposed to be the gospel of peace. And even when I didn't know how I was going to do that, but here's what he showed me about that one. Who Who's the first people that witnessed Your behavior. Who's the first people that you give a testimony to? The people in your own home. Yeah, your family. So the most important job, and I knew immediately once I'm doing this every day, the people who were looking to how I handled this that mattered were you and your sister. And no one else. It didn't matter what anyone else thought when they looked at how I was going to handle these next steps but you and your sister. And it was the number one thing to me. That I handled this the way I was supposed to. And what that ended up leading to was not getting a divorce right away. I didn't even know I was going to get a divorce. I I could not envision how in the world I wasn't going to get a divorce. Because I always said, if he ever cheats on me, I'm out of here. And God said, but God, but God, put on your armor. You're just leaving. That's it. In other words, he doesn't give us the whole map. He says, go down to the end of the road. See that stop sign? Take a right. That's as much of the map of life as he gives us. And the rest is all a trust walk. This is the time in my life where I learned the meaning of the word trust at the highest level, and Proverbs three five and six became my go to verses. Is this journey in two thousand eight two
0: thousand nine, which says, "Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, understanding, but in all all of your ways
1: ways. acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your your path." Right. So I um. I started walking that out, and the trust was daily. It was sometimes every minute. It was sometimes every hour. Eventually, it became a half day, and then a day, and then a 24 hours, and the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. To be very honest with you, like I always would be anyways, it was the hardest time of my entire life to this point now. And After the divorce? Yeah, going through that. So we, oh, sorry. Yeah, before the divorce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like during that prior, period, right? So we tried to reconcile six times. I knew that I could leave nothing on the field. I had to know, when I look back, whatever the decision was that we came to, I did every single thing I could to try to make this work, um, to let God do it. Um, And what I ended up finding out was that God had a different plan. And every time that we would attempt to reconcile, and I thought, yes, God's doing it. God would show me He was lying to me that that your dad was lying to me and He was still cheating on me, and it was the most painful thing because it would I would catch at him every single time, and it was it was very painful, very painful to keep having that disappointment and that hurt, and um, a lot of things happened in that time, more than we probably have time to talk about, uh, but the biggest thing that happened was God was giving me affirmation that I wasn't going to be staying in the marriage and that I shouldn't be staying in the marriage and that I wasn't being condemned for not staying in the marriage and that he did have a plan for my life and I was going to have to trust him with it because he wasn't going to unfold it overnight. And um, I was going to learn a lot of lessons along the way and I had to learn to fully trust the only one who could carry me. And that was the most painful, most rewarding, best
0: experience I've ever had. So you both got a divorce. We did. 2009. Yep. You left your parents
1: home. I did. About two weeks after I moved in with my parents, uh, my mom got me an apartment and I was scared because I had no job. I was selling real estate, but I had not been selling real estate for about a year while you were a senior in high school. And I, when you're not promoting yourself in real estate, you really don't have business. <laughs> So I'm like, how am I going to pay for this apartment? And um, I think they paid a month for me. And then they're like, it's going to be okay. And short version is it ended up being okay. God put one thing in my path and then another thing in my path and another thing. And during that time, I did get a job working for another real estate team. And made enough money exactly to just pay my bills. Um, your dad had no job. For a very, very long time. And our debt had accumulated. We had borrowed $36,000 from my parents over the summer to pay our bills. And then when I found out about the affair, I was extra angry. Because I felt like my parents had footed the bill for that. And he had taken advantage of that. So I owed them money. Um, Since he didn't have a job, I walked out of the divorce with $108,000 in debt. And no savings. And I thought it was an impossible mountain in front of me. But he is the God of the possible and one step at a time. I mean, there were there was a friend of mine that brought me a couch of theirs that I could borrow. Um, there were friendships that left and new friendships that came and an amazing program at our church, a divorce recovery program. Um, and before I even got in that, I got into a group for women who had been sexually betrayed in marriage. And I did that for uh, I can't even remember how long weeks, and then finally realized I needed one on one counseling. I was going to need more than the group. And then that led to the divorce recovery program, which not only did I do for a year, I went on to lead and then eventually teach you, that program. You went back and got your degree? I did. I went back and got my degree. Actually, at this exact time as the divorce was happening, I was getting my degree. I wasn't intending on finishing my
0: degree, but I was in school at the College of Biblical Studies. Because you had, let me say, you dropped out of college when you were pregnant with me because mm-hmm. you said you were so sick that mm-hmm. you had to dissect a pregnant cat and the smell of the formaldehyde my anatomy class. Yep. made you so sick that you dropped out of school with yep. one year left, right? Yep. You're welcome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, right? So
1: I was taking classes with my friend on this teacher track. That's another story. We ended up in college and didn't know it. It was kind of funny. I know that doesn't make sense to your listeners, but it's a funny story. And um, I ended up finding out that I could fast track and finish a degree. And I started off in one thing and switched to biblical counseling. Um, and um, This was after you were divorced already? When no. You switched to biblical counseling? No, it was during it. Interesting. And so wow. I was actually in school when this happened. And... Um, I had to take a momentary leave from a few things. I still went to school and I still went to Joy of Living, but I had to take a break from teaching and leading until I could kind of get my feet under me again. And they were so gracious. And it was such a, just a sweet time of letting other people take care of me in that way. And I had built so many friendships. I just had no idea how much people cared. It was so amazing. The body of Christ really rose up. And I didn't have people telling me, go get divorced. And all those things that you would think, they were just right there supporting me and being so strong good. for me. It was powerful. Um, and that led to several things over the years. Um, in 2012, um, I was pretty stable at that point. I got offered a job at work um, that I have done for eight and a half years now and continued to promote and continue to grow and live the most amazing life. And I just recently retired from that. My last day is in a week and um probably we'll release this podcast yes so um yeah November 30th and so um I that's because I am um going into business back into real estate sales with my husband
0: yeah you just dropped that on us let's let's, um for people that don't know you catch you up to that so you've been married to your current husband that I was supposed to interview today Steve Montgomery um Well, I was really supposed to... This really worked out how I was supposed to. I was supposed to sit down with you. God knows everything. And so it's awesome that we get to do that. But y'all have been married five years. Yes. And just celebrated that in October. So when did you meet Steve? Oh my goodness. I had been divorced for
1: four years before I met Steve. I dated a couple of gentlemen. One actually for a long time during that time. And um, I... had a real painful thing happen to me when I was in divorce recovery. Um, And that is that the Lord took a mirror and put it up right in front of my face. Because I was questioning why I kept doing things wrong. Why couldn't I get this right? How did I keep ending up here? And it's painful sometimes when the Lord says, I'm going to show you why. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Let me put a mirror in front of your face and show you that since you were 15 years old, you have gone from boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to one husband to the next husband looking for the next guy from your father's house to your first husband's house to your second husband's house, and uh, this ain't working so great. Now, do you want to try and let me do it this time? And boy, that was a... That was... Ouch. Because you feel like you're on the right path as a Christian only to find out well, some things you are and other things you're not. And I um, I read an amazing, amazing book. And um, it was called A Man Worth Waiting For. And it was the contrast between a Boaz kind of man and a Bozo. And as I began reading the pages, it was a book I'd had for a long time written by Jackie Kendall. Um, I'd had it for years and never opened it. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, hmm, let me look at this book. I could not get enough of that book and I could not believe it was like she wrote the book about my life and that I was chasing all the wrong things and I never really sought what God wanted for me. And even though he brought the most amazing things out of that, and you and your sister being two of the main ones and so many great experiences along with the poor ones for my decisions, um, he was asking me to trust him in a way I had not yet, even though I thought I already had. (laughs) He said, okay, here's how it goes. You've been married, you've been divorced, you've been married, you've been divorced. Now, here's the deal. You're going to do this the biblical way if you want to go with me. And that means that you're going to have to quit looking for somebody. You got to become the person that I want you to be. And that person that you're looking for would be attracted to. And then maybe I will, maybe I won't. And the journey that I, the way the journey went is I realized. I don't need anybody else. I don't want anybody else. It's okay. Like I've never been so happy in my life. I kind of finally related to Paul in the gospel of what it would be like to just be single and how strong the ministry would be. And someone said to me, "Um, you'll know if you're supposed to be married if you are doing more for the Lord alone than you could be with another person or if you and another person can accomplish more for the Lord than you can by yourself. And I was like, huh, interesting. Kind of tucked that away. I went all in on what God wanted me to do. Uh, There were several areas of my life that he brought in front of me, actually through something that happened at work. And how do I become God's best spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, in my relationships, in my job? And that was quite a lifetime worth of work. And so I got very determined to find resources, coaches, spiritual coaches, to help me be my best for him in all those ways. And everything else took a back seat. And I honestly thought that journey would be for the rest of my life. And it has been. But I thought I would be alone by the, for the rest of my life. And I was happy. I was like, this is amazing. The things that started happening as I began to be committed to that. And paying off the debt. Which I never thought would happen in a million years. Not as fast as it did. You paid it all off? Paid it all off. That was wow. God's hand in every way. Um, assisted... He just came alongside for my hard work and made it happen. But I had to be intentional. I had to be disciplined. I did that through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Um, Just everything. A lot of things in my life I had to change. And quit looking for a guy. I don't need a guy. God's guy's not going to fill the hole. He didn't work before. It's not going
0: to work now. Only God could fill the hole. And this time for you, it wasn't religion. No. Like when you were Uh -uh. growing up, it was actually just out of pure love for him and relationship. And
1: serving. He showed me that the happiness and the joy comes from serving other people and being used by the Lord when he asks me to do it, do it. Don't make any of that idols. Whole nother podcast. And um, it was really cool. And
0: I I started that job and then... You mean, I'm still stuck on what you just said about idols. You mean don't put anything above God. God, Don't put your kids above God. Yeah, and I had done that.
1: God. I had done that. I had definitely made you guys on the altar of my life and not even realized I had done it until this time. Like before God, before. Yeah. You guys were the most important thing. I didn't think I that, that you were. Before but you my were. dad too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. A mistake a lot of parents make.
0: Um, And everything was out of order. So out of order. So he needed to show me order. But now here you were yeah. on this journey. Just you and the Lord. Committed. All in.
1: Good to go. Never in a million years did I dream that it would be two, two and a half months later that I would get a phone call from one of my friends that would say, hey, I want to uh, have you go on a double date with me and my husband and this guy, Steve Montgomery. I'm like, girl, you know, I'm not dating anybody. It was like 1030 at night. I was walking the dog um, because I was out late after school when I would get home at night. And um, I'm like, no, I'm not interested. She finally convinced me. I asked her a million questions, trying to make sure that I wasn't making bad steps. My picker was broken; it was so broken I could not pick the right guy. I wasn't about to start. I didn't think anyone else could pick the right guy. Yeah, we weren't
0: fans of those two guys. And And then (laughs) I thought,
1: but we were hard on. I was wanting (laughs) to make
0: sure that this was God's
1: pick, and I didn't want anyone else to do it. And so um, I finally, they. She's like, "It's just dinner." I'm like, "Okay, fine." So we're gonna go, and um, Steve sent me a Facebook message. We were friends on Facebook. He had requested me a few months before. She convinced me that he really, really wanted to go out with me. Unbeknownst to me, they convinced him the same thing. Even though
0: neither you was had her. not met before, no,
1: but he had requested you on Facebook, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. because he knew yeah. of you from her.
1: Yeah, that we had mutual friends. From oh, church. Okay, we had both been in divorce recovery, but never at the same time. So anyhow, we go on this blind date. It was a disaster, frankly. Um he was very clearly not wanting to be there. And I was very clearly aware of that. And it was just awkward. And then all this baggage as, as we start talking, he was very transparent. And he's sharing all this baggage. And I'm just looking at her like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Did he know he was on a date? Yeah, he knew he was on a date. But he just didn't, he didn't dress like he wanted to be there. <laughs> it, just, it was like, y'all lied to me. And they did, the little turkeys. They lied to him and they lied to me about how excited we both were to go out with each other. (laughs) Neither one of us was. So we left that night. It was raining. And I remember he didn't even walk me to my car and I didn't want him to. We shook hands. You know, great. We left. The next morning I'm at church and I'm texting with my friend, like through the church service. I know that's not good, but she's asking me how the date is. And she's on the other side of the worship center. And I'm texting her telling it was horrible and all this stuff. And just kind of blew up her phone and she sends me a message back. And I remember getting so mad cause it was so true. Well, it's not like you're walking down the aisle with him tomorrow. Don't you think you could at least be friends? And that was just a, uh, a God wink. <laughs> it was a God wink in the moment going, um, hello, let's get back on the page we're supposed to be on. So I was like, you're right. So that night I'd gone to a Bible study at the church and it was in the kind of the bleachery section of the church. And so I was walking up the stairs and I came down the row that I was going to sit in. And as I looked up about to sit down, I looked across and there was Steve coming directly toward me on the row in front of me. And I thought, oh no, I remember my friend invited him to this last night and now he's here. And I thought, well, this will be awkward because I thought he was dating someone else and she was sitting in front of me. And he looks, he gets right up by her and he looks back and sees me. And there was an empty seat by me. And he said, I'm going to sit by Terry and steps across and sits next to me. And I thought, whoa, 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 wait, what, what, what's going on? And with that developed a friendship, we just started developing a friendship. We started talking through Facebook Messenger all the time, getting to know each other constantly for a few weeks. And then I got a phone call one Friday night at work and it was him. We never talked on the phone ever. Until this phone call. We didn't text. None of that. And I thought, uh-oh. I knew as soon as I saw it, he's going to ask me out. And I did not dress for this. I am uber casual. It's Friday. Um, my hairstylist straightened. my I have really curly hair. And he straightened my hair that day. And it looked awful. It was so funny. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, I was just wondering if you wanted to go on a, a a date out to eat. Like a friend date. We'll go Dutch. And I'm like, yeah, but um, I need to run home and... um. Take my dog out and feed my dog first, and then I'll meet you because I wanted to go home and do my hair, which didn't work. Um, and that was a hit. That that was such a great, fun date, friend date, and they didn't let me pay after all, which was funny. And that was kind of the beginning. The rest was history. It was obviously fun for him, too, since he didn't let you pay. It was. Um, it was very fun. So we had a lot in common, which we did not prior think that we did. Uh, He thought I was a snobby city girl, and I thought he was a lazy country boy, only to find out we both were country people, and we both were city people, and we had tons of stuff in common, and we liked to do a lot of the same stuff, and we both were really true, strong believers. We both wanted to honor the Lord. Neither one of us was looking for a relationship, and my journey of God holding the mirror up to me is the exact same journey that he was having at the exact same time. It was so interesting because neither one of us knew we were on the exact same journey and it caught us both off guard how fast God took us to each other because we thought, oh no, here we go again rushing and the best blessing came out of that in that we went so slow. <laughs> like we went so slow and it was so great. We were both being really careful not to rush it, not to get caught up in it. it I, I don't know why I did this, but every single day from that friend date on, I literally would pray and give Steve back to God every single night. And I would say, Lord, if you want him in my life, you'll give him back to me tomorrow. If not, thank you. Thank you for the blessing of that time. And I did it every day. I don't I don't know why I started that. I can't remember if, I don't know, he just gave it to me and I just did, I literally meant it. I would say, God, thank you. It was a great day. This was a great date or a great conversation or whatever it was. And I would give him back to him. And in the beginning, we probably only saw each other once or twice a week, maybe. Um, but we talked a lot. And we started talking on the phone. We were still talking through Facebook Messenger. We would text sometimes, but my job was really busy. And he um, worked... and for habitat for horses. So he was out on a ranch working with someone to rehabilitate horses so they could be adopted by people after they'd been abused by someone else. Um, and it was just really good. Our lives were very full, separate from each other. And then God just started blessing it. Um, we had been dating for about two and a half months. Um, and it's so ironic because yesterday would have been the day that, um, we had gone to a friend's birthday party that the lady who had led my betrayal and women who had been sexually betrayed in marriage and joy of living it was her birthday she was having it at her house she invited both of us and we had a great time at her party and you know we were definitely starting to like each other a lot and as we were leaving um, saying goodbye he bent down to kiss me and i said you know what we we need to go slow and he goes we have been going slow and he was right and he kissed me and the rest is history so we went slow and we made sure that we were doing it according to the way God lays it out in the Bible. Um, we got a lot of criticism for that because people would say, you guys aren't sleeping together, you're not living together, you're not. And we were like, nope. And it was never with a, a, an error or a sense of judgment about anyone else. And believe me, it wasn't always easy. But we said, you know, God's clear in Scripture about what He wants it to look like. And the reason is because he wants it to be protected and special and honoring to him and to truly give you every blessing and every possibility for success that there is. And so we just committed that that would be the deal. We would not stay at each other's house or apartment um, by ourselves at night, we would go out all the time. Somewhere, go to dinner, go to a movie, be in a group of people. You know, like we always tell our teenagers to do. Uh, we were doing the same thing and modeling that behavior. We went to a lot of stuff at church. And um, he had his activities. I had my because activities. you didn't want the temptation we of having. We didn't want sex. the temptations of having sex or anything else really leading up to that. And we didn't want to do anything that accelerated things because when you start having physical intimacy you start losing your wisdom and decisions. You become attached because two become one flesh. Um, the sexual intimacy that you have as, is reserved for you as marriage because you literally, miraculously become one. Well, you're not supposed to do that before you get married. But what happens when you do that before you get married, our, our pastor at our church describes it's like taking two pieces of cardboard And um, putting super glue between them and attaching the two people.
0: And then when you... My mom talks with her hands, by the way, so that was her (laughs) clap. (laughs) clap. (laughs) When you break up, it's like pulling
1: those two pieces of cardboard apart and they're super glued so they rip. And you leave part of your piece of cardboard on theirs and part of their piece of cardboard on yours. And it never goes away because you've connected in a way that can't be undone can't be walked away from easily. You make excuses for someone else's behavior because you're in this incredibly intimate relationship. We did not want to put each other in that position. We'd spent our lives doing that with other people. It was time for different and new and to do it the way God was calling each of us to do it.
0: Yeah, because it's so harder. If, if It is harder if you've slept with a bunch of people and then you go to get married. The only way to heal from all that is God. And mm-hmm. he can heal you from that. Yes. But it's harder. And I've had that.
1: I want a different
0: And And he he was giving you the opportunity with this one to be different. Totally different.
1: Totally, totally different. Which was so cool. It was amazing to watch the relationship that you and your sister built with him. It was amazing with who? With Steve. Oh yeah. It was amazing to watch the
0: relationship that I built with his children. It was Oh, and let me just say that I drilled him the first time I met him. I remember I don't know how long I had known him at this point. It might have not been, it wasn't the first meeting I had, but the first time I was ever out just him and I together, I remember asking him about his finances, about his past (laughs) relationship, his intentions with my mother. (laughs) Because I just didn't want you to be in a situation where you would get hurt again Mm -hmm. or, you know, just wanted to figure out who this guy was. Because I had met the guys that you had dated before, Steve, Mm -hmm. and I was like, and I saw you get hurt in those relationships as well, and I was making sure that this this dude, if he was serious (laughs) about you, he was not going to hurt you, and sure enough, he did not. Yeah. We were actually going out to where he was taking care of horses when that happened, and you rode with him in his truck, and I came in a car
1: behind you guys, and I remember when you guys got out of the car, he was pale, he was sweating. (laughs)
0: You drilled him. It was awesome. It was so awesome. And he was there for it, too. He did. Yeah. He, he actually told me he liked that he I did, did that and appreciated it. And it was really good. So how long after that? How long did you guys date for we before did you got married? We dated for three years. Um, and it was funny
1: because we were, we knew, we we had told each other, we loved each other, he told me, and then I told him. And um, it was about um, a year or so before we um, actually got married that we were talking about it and we were sitting in my car and at the apartment, we'd just gotten back from something and he was about to go and get in his car. And I, that day I knew God had already shown me that he was going to be my husband, but I wasn't going to force that or say anything about that or try to manipulate that. God had to lead him there not just me. And I had, for some reason I had some time in my day that day and I had written down in my notebook that day, every single possible wedding date for one, from that day forward for one whole year, that could actually be a day we could get married um, every single day because there were so many that were blocked out by things we were doing in work or things with our families or holidays. It was hysterical. I don't know why. I was. I thought like I was in high school where you <laughs> write your name and you write their
0: last name as your last name. It kind of felt like that. That's so what I, Scott Wesley on my episode a couple of weeks ago said he did with his wife or before he even went on a date with her. He was doing the same thing. Just like so funny. Jessica Wesley. So that's there what you, you were go. doing. You were yep. like,
1: what date? So I wrote were- all these dates cause I'm such a planner and I wrote down all these dates and I didn't tell him I had it in a bag in my car. It was sitting on the floor. Well, it was in my car when we were in my car that night and um, we're talking and, and my friend Becca, who is a very good friend of mine was dating someone and she said that she and this guy started doing premarital counseling prior to getting engaged because they didn't want to break up if they got engaged. If they were going to break up over something, they wanted to break up before that. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I kind of like that. So I had talked to Steve about that and we were talking about it that night. And I said, you know, that's really makes sense to me. And he said, it makes sense to me too. So there was a pastor and that we'd become really good friends with that um, we knew if we got married, that would be who we wanted to marry us. And we decided that You know we were in fact going to get married and that we wanted him to marry us and we wanted to go ahead and start premarital counseling with him so we could do it before and then if anything was going to be big that we needed to break up over, we would do it. So we started looking at dates of when we could get married and I laughed and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I just happened to have this little handy dandy notebook here. (laughs) I pulled it out and we start going through the dates, and I didn't know if he was going to want to get married sooner or later, right? So, I have this whole thing. Well, he skips the whole first few months of the year, so I knew. And he goes, well, what about what about October 10th? And I looked, and I went, October 10th is good. And we both kind of had this funny feeling, like, why is that, what is that date? Like, it's ringing a bell. And the really cool thing was, the night this happened, that we were looking at that, was October 10th, 2014. And we had picked a date one year from that date without realizing it until we did it. Wow. It was so cool. So ten ten. And ten is the number for perfection and completion. Yeah. Seven for uh seven for completion and ten for perfection. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. So um we and there's a whole lot of stories around that that happened too, but um we called Brent the next day and said, Hey, we we're talking about getting married. We wanted to know if you would do marriage counseling with us and he's like you can't be living together. And we're like, we're not living together. You can't be sleeping together. We're not sleeping together. That's the only way I'll meet with you. I'm like, great. And it was amazing. It was the best thing we ever did was to go through all of that. He was good too. He was intense with his questions. We had homework every week. We had to read like, I don't know, 50 to 100 pages of this book that he gave us. And then we had to write our summary in one page, on a one page double spaced document, which was really hard to do for that. And then we would have to read it to each other. So I hadn't seen his and he hadn't seen mine. And we would read it and then talk about it. And it was a very, very sweet time. But we weren't engaged yet. So I didn't know when that was coming. Um, Steve had never been to Disney World. And my work convention was going to be in February in Disney World. And so I said, hey, what if you flew out after the convention and went to Disney World? And he really wasn't that thrilled because I think he was thinking it was like some typical Six Flags theme park. I'm like, you would be amazed, you know, Cassie, that it's my favorite vacation in the world because we've been a billion times. (laughs) And it is mine as well. Yes. And so he agreed and he flew out there and um, we um, had a great, great, great vacation. And he proposed to me on Valentine's Day, which I did not see coming because I didn't think he would pick a typical day. And he totally caught me off guard. And then we got
0: married the following October, and now we have been married for five years. That's right. And I just remember on your wedding date, I remember, let me say two things. One, even before you met Steve, in that time of singleness for you, I remember telling people in those years that my mom is the happiest, because they would ask how you were doing, because they knew you were divorced, and I would say, she's the happiest I've seen her in my entire life Mm -hmm. as she is right now. And truly, you, not right at first, obviously, after the divorce, but you seriously did in that special time with the Lord, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about, grow so close to him and become so free from things that you had been holding on to, even when you were married to dad before, you know, separation and all that stuff happened, that you really became free of, like you were saying earlier, idols, all this kind of stuff. And you got to, you know, go on a trip to Israel you had always wanted to go on. You got to get your degree and things like that. But just the place you're at with the Lord, you really got there in a time, like you said, where you didn't really have money, you were kind of desperate for him, for the Lord. You were leaning on him, and that made you happy because you had to trust him in those times. Mm -hmm. You know, you really did have to trust him with everything. Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the things I remember just telling people at that time, she's the happiest now that I've ever seen her. And then of course, as you met Steve and got married to him, the other thing that I was going to say is I remember at your wedding. You, first of all, looked gorgeous. But second of all, you just had this peace. You really did have a peace. It didn't matter who was there or who didn't show up or what was going on around you. You just had this peace and this joy. And so that was really cool. And now, fast forward to where we are now. That's been five years. So you're getting into real estate with your husband, Montgomery Property Group. Y'all are doing that together. Like you said, you're resigning from your job November 30th is your last day and y'all are doing real estate together and just getting to see you guys grow in so many ways and being blessed for your obedience to the Lord is really cool. Like you just told me and Ashley recently, you paid off debt that you guys had, you know, I guess you had some debt that you paid off and just different things and just really seeing how he's blessed y'all's obedience has been really cool. Yeah,
1: it's been really cool. Um, It's not been perfect Sometimes people think we're perfect. Like, your marriage is so perfect. And believe me, we have a lot of things that a lot of other people don't in our relationship, which is amazing. And I truly, completely believe it's because of how we've walked this out. This year has been the hardest year of our marriage. It's the first time I know people are gonna think we're crazy. It's the first time we've had a fight. We've been together for um eight years. And it's the first time we've had a fight.
0: You never had fights in that. No. We've oh, this I is didn't the first know that. year
1: we've had any fights and we've had a few. Our fights are very different. Like, they're not yelling, screaming fights, but it's been a stressful year for a lot of reasons for most people with COVID-19 and all the things going on. There's been so many stressful things.
0: You guys have lost a lot of people that have died. You've had to walk with your children through grief, losing our dad. Yeah. I mean, and that's just one thing that I know about, but there's so many things that y'all have had this year. You've lost friends. Yeah. We've
1: had a lot of unexpected losses of people who um, who went too soon. Um, that were dear and close to us and tragic and um, a lot of them a lot of them it's been weird to have so many um, and people who need us and uh, yeah I think that's probably um, it's a strengthening we've been through a lot of things and we know how to re-center ourselves with the Lord and how to talk and how to come back so it doesn't get away from us and I'm so thankful that we built all those years of those habits and those disciplines and turning to Him and keeping Him as a priority. Um, it's stressful to have your own business. And yet, uh, God blesses it. And it is very important to us that nothing becomes an idol. And so it's a continual reflection prayer time, praise time, thinking time, all those things that we continue to hold each other accountable to as well. Um, one quick thing I do want to show that was special because it was so cool. And so I guess I just, I didn't expect it because I'd never had it on our wedding night when we finally are going to get to consummate that relationship. Uh, we had gone to the hotel and, and we we're about to do that. And we were both so nervous, like so nervous because we've been in this habit for three years of, hey, you don't cross this line right here. And now all of a sudden, Two hours later, we can. You know, it's just a weird. It's like thing. you're a virgin
0: on your wedding night again. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was like well, for the first time. Yeah, it was like what in the world? And so I was really scared, and I didn't expect that. And he was too, and he didn't expect that. And he looks at me, and this is one more affirmation of knowing God has picked the right person for you, and you have received the gift. He looks at me, he goes, "Would you mind if we pray first?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, absolutely!" It was so great. It was, it was like, this is why, this is why you do it God's way. This is the coolest thing ever. And it was amazing. And we got to take a, my number one dream vacation and, and go to Hawaii. Steve surprised me with that for our honeymoon, which is where my grandparents had gone for so many years when I was growing up. And I always wanted to go. And it was, we stayed at the same place they had stayed. And it was just a really, really sweet time. Coming forward to what you were talking about. and That's probably, really cool the last big thing that, um, that I will say in this phase of my life, in this season of my life, um, trust has been a running theme for me for a long, long, long time. And, and you know, the more, the more you walk with the Lord, the more he, I believe wants and requires of you when it comes to trust. And, um, he knows you're maturing. and He wants you to always continue to grow. It's it's an active and living relationship from an active and living God. An active and living word. and um, That's
0: what's so cool is that he's alive. Yes. It's not just like words we read on a page. That were in the past. And, yeah. No, but he will speak to you through that yes. if you ask him yes. to. And he constantly does.
1: And I can read the same thing five times, five different years, and get five different things out of it based on where I'm at in my life at the time. So um two things big this year. One was the job was really coming to a place where during the time that we had done our marriage prep, I remember the pastor looking at me, one of the things Steve was concerned about is that my job would be the thing that I would put on the altar of my life because it was so important to me and it's a really big job with a lot of responsibility, paid a lot of money and required a lot of hours. And the pastor looked at me and he said if Steve comes to you when you're married and says, Terry, I need you to quit your job. Would you do it? And I couldn't answer. I said, I'm going to need to get back to you on that one because I hadn't thought about it. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it. And the next week when we came together, I said, yes. And I knew when I got asked the question and I answered the question that it would come around again. And so this year... uh, Steve had built the business with a really good foundation, and he said, we need to have a conversation. And I said, okay. And I was already feeling change coming because I was just really at the ceiling of what I was doing and um, didn't feel like I was growing anymore, and I wasn't feeling rewarding. It wasn't feeling rewarding to me anymore. I was feeling a lot of stress, and like I wasn't in the right place anymore. But he said to me, I've I've maxed on what I can do by myself in this business, and I'm going to need to hire and that's all he didn't ask me to quit but I knew when he said it that that was God saying for such a time as this remember that question <laughs> and I said okay I'm gonna pray about this and I prayed about it and God gave me affirmation after affirmation after affirmation that it was the time and it's a real trust for me it, it's a challenge and a, women desire security even if it's a false sense of security we desire security more than anything we want to know There's going to be food on the table, clothes in the closet, a roof over our heads, and our babies are not going hungry. And I was going from a job where I received a paycheck when thousands of people in this world were losing their jobs to COVID, to a job where I was responsible with my husband for making the money. And that's a real scary thing. And it was a big trust thing with the Lord. And he's like, you always said God dreams bigger. Do you believe it? Because I do dream bigger than you do. And I'm only still showing you the stop sign. I'm not going to give you the map. I know you want the map. I'm not giving it to you. Do you trust me? So that was a leap of faith. And I'm so excited. I cannot wait. And I know there'll be hard times too. But I'm so excited about what's ahead. That was one. The other big thing for this year was your dad passing away. Um, I had worked through so many things after that divorce. Everything I thought. And... um. The hardest thing of this year truly was that
0: unexpected death. Um, Which has been 11 years since y'all divorced. It's 12, yeah. Oh, 12. It's been 12. So you guys didn't have um, much of a communication over in no. that time period. No, really Some bad. Some here then. and there. Like whenever, yeah. in the last couple of years, you'd be at events with the grandkids and things like that. But not a whole lot. No. For the most part, like we got along fine. There was no like hatred or any
1: ugliness like you hear from a lot of things that just wasn't how we chose to walk it out for you guys and for us Uh, but it was chosen and y'all forgave each other oh yeah 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 it was just we it was a process right but we both worked through it yeah it was just a non-relationship right no relationship not a fighting relationship not a great relationship just no relationship so he passed away in august so he passed away unexpectedly and i had no idea that it would stir up every single ounce of all of that times a million all over again. And the things that I thought I had resolved and I had dealt with, there was still plenty of it there. And and how that occurred was, first of all, you guys. The first thing I had to do was help you walk through your grief, be there for you guys in every way I could. And it feels very helpless because there's not a lot you can do but be there. And watching you guys go through that pain. I always knew because of how much older he was than me. Because he was a smoker and didn't take care of his health. That it was likely that I would be a young widow. Of course, I never envisioned I would be, you know, still young and divorced. And, and that would happen. Um, So, that was hard. Now, all these months later, I am thankful and blessed that we weren't still married. Because I didn't have to deal with my own being a widow feelings and your guys' feelings. It was really your loss. I already mourned him. I grieved him. I lost him years ago. So I had walked through those pieces. I saw people at his service that I had not seen since the times when we were happy. Um, all those worlds collided at one time. And I couldn't deal with any of it because I was trying to help you guys. I couldn't even
0: let myself start thinking about how I was feeling so what did God show you when you finally let yourself go to all those places it's been happening
1: ever since then Um, I have cried I have screamed I have been angrier than I've ever been for all kinds of things and I have vented it out Um, at God or towards dad I vented it out oh angry at your dad not at God Um, furious for what Oh, let's see it's a long list but let's start with you didn't take care of yourself and you'd still be here if you would have I don't know if he would have but that's how I was feeling right was if you would have quit smoking all those times you lied and said you did and you didn't if you would have just walked if you would have eaten healthy if you you know the list is long if you would have tried doing any of the things that we wanted and now look what happened you know those kind of things so what did God show you about that did he show you that that's true, or did he show you... The that? main thing he showed me is that I still had unresolved anger for that I thought I had walked through. Um, I started... A lot of things were discovered that amplified the things that were hurtful. That brought them all back up again. That showed me they had never ended in all this time. That was really hard. I still had people lying to me to this day. All these years, like, why? I don't know why. That was painful. Um... There was just a lot of things that made me angry. It made me question everything all over again. Was there ever a time we were happy? Did you lie to me the whole time? Were you cheating on me the whole time? All those things came all back up in such a big way. And I was so mad because I felt like, how dare you come back into my world, into this relationship that you have nothing to do with, into this house that you have nothing to do with, and soil it. And it was so hard 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 and um i would you know find little mementos i couldn't get away from it it was everywhere that i looked there was something and i just wanted to run i didn't realize that's what i was doing but i wanted to run away i wanted to erase it i wanted to pretend it wasn't there and god wouldn't let me so i finally got mad at him and it goes right back to that word right back to that trust word again and saying i'm big enough i can take this do you trust me to walk you through this part it's different when the person's not here. You can't punch them. You can't scream at them. You can't yell at them. You can't say anything nasty to them. You can't write a nasty letter to them or send a mean text. or I mean, I wouldn't do that stuff anyways, but you can't. So what do you do when you can't do it anymore? I always thought that when he died, like I would be there at the bedside. I would come in and we would have some kind of final closure to all this since we didn't talk all these years. And I was mad I didn't get to do that. And God said, why can't you do it now? Right? So, one of the things that helped me was to say, okay, God, how can I do that now? And he didn't just answer me right away. Some things have happened with prayer time and talking it out. Steve has listened for hours on end as I've walked through and voiced out and prayed and he's prayed with me and I've worked my way through something I thought would never all the way get out. And then um, you guys have pain over and over and you're expressing your pain. And things like... Even at his service, there were so many people saying so many amazing things about him. And I, I felt so much peace after that service, after you guys talked. And then the hurtful things came as you're cleaning through stuff. And I got so much anger again. And um, I remember saying out loud, he is not a good person. All these people got up and said all these good things and nobody knows the other side. And thinking, then feeling guilty that I would say that and just throw in a temper tantrum. And God coming and saying, okay, here, let's get down to it. Keep going. We're almost down to that mirror again. Let's find it. Where's the peace that you need to see? Sorry, I'm punching my hands again. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. Um, and what I saw is he was not a good husband. He really wasn't. He never should have been married. But he was a great dad. And that brought me the first step of peace. And I realized, okay, God, you showed me that. I can trust you there. Let's keep doing this. I got to walk through this. I want to I wanna walk over it. I want to walk under it. I want to go around it. I don't want to go through it. I want to do anything but go through it. And he said, I want you to go through it. Okay, I'll go through it. Let's get through it. And somewhere along the way, I ended up redoing this room, this prayer room that we're sitting in. And, um, you know, the whole part of that verse he will direct your steps. He will direct your path. I'm like, all right, I'm trusting you with everything in me. With all of it, I have to. Not because I have to, because I choose to have to. And he um, he found this little bag, this little Joy of Living bag. It was like the skeleton in the closet. That bag contained the skeleton in the closet. Inside that bag was my journal that I had used after my divorce, where I had written down with a, an, an actual... Order. There was questions we were supposed to answer. All the feelings. Steve
0: all the found stuff. it. No. Oh, you found it. I God found it. found it, is what you're saying. God showed
1: it to me. Yeah. What a weird place. A bag that brought me so much happiness walking into Bible study over twenty years holds this dark, yucky thing. And over the years I thought many times about getting rid of it because I never wanted you girls to find it. That was always supposed to be my own journey, not anything that you guys needed to see. Not because there was something horrible in it. I just didn't want you to see the pain. I didn't want you to see the hurt. I didn't want, it wasn't for you to see. You had to have your own stories of that, not mine. But I didn't get rid of it. And so I'm cleaning through this room and I'm undoing boxes that have been packed away in storage and there's the bag and I know what's in the bag. And it took me a few days and I thought, all right, it's time to pull it out. I've only ever looked at it two times when I first wrote it and one other time when Steve and I started getting serious in our relationship. That's only two times I've ever opened it and read it again. And it was, it was like, this is the hard thing. But I have all these things swirling in my head that I'm imagining to be the truth and I need to look at the actual truth. God needed me to look at the actual truth. And I read through every painstaking word of that journal and I watched my progress from the beginning of thinking, well, he would be better than nothing. I should just go back to him. The unhealthy. To the continual trusting of the Lord to the continual blessing every day one of the things you had to answer was who um who in your who in your life was a blessing today what's your prayer for today um and man there was stuff I forgot and it was so powerful to see the little things people did or said and I was like wow times when I was coming to see you guys at school and how excited I was and just praying that I was going to get to and how healing that was As I went through each page, something happened. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but a peace came over me, a letting go, a goodbying, a does it really all matter? Do you need to stay swirling in all this stuff? You really did work through this 12 years ago. It brought it all up again, but you've worked through it. You know the healthy way to go. You need to come to peace with where it's at now. And trust me to heal it. I wasn't letting him heal it. I I wanted to hang on to it. Because letting go meant really letting go. Right? Letting go of the good times. Letting go of the bad times. Just let it be. Embrace what he has for you. Be healed. Trust him to heal you. And let it be really. And so I finished reading. And I stood up. And I tore the pages out. And I shredded them one at a time. And it was healing. It was reassuring. It was what I finally needed to be at peace and to know your dad's at peace. And God's got you guys. And I know every holiday is hard and every reminder is going to be hard. You hurt so much because you love so much. But that you're going to be okay. And I don't have to do it. It's I don't have to fill that hole for you. Nobody could only God could I can't fill the hole of your dad I'm your mom. I can fill the hole of your mom <laughs> But I can't fill the hole of your dad and I don't have to and it lifted a burden and it gave me immense 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 peace and it's not that I won't struggle when I go gosh I wish he was here to see this or to see that I don't know the reason that he went God knows and I trust God that that God knows the whole picture and that we are to be grateful and thankful not only for the good things God gives us how can we thank him for the good like greedy little children and say I don't want the bad though only give me the good what level of faith do we come to when we realize I don't have the whole picture and I need to thank him for all of it I have to open my hands and receive all of it because he sees what I can't see yet I only see to the stop sign there's more He has always brought something good and bigger and greater and a higher level of grace and joy out of every single circumstance, even when I didn't think it was possible. And it starts with trust. I trusted him that if I repented of my sins, he would forgive them. I trusted him when he said, if you believe in me and you ask me to be Lord and Savior of your life, that I will be. And that's going to bring some responsibility on you because it's not just Savior, it's also Lord. I trusted him that I would have healthy children, and I did. It may not have been in every way, and yet it was, but what if it wouldn't have been? Would I still have trusted him? He calls us to, no matter what. It's been a, a journey of many, many, many years. I've been walking with God a long time. I still journal some things. I have to journal more because it's, there's something in going back and reading what he's done that reminds you he honors, honors completely what he promises us. He is always faithful, even if he answers in ways we don't like. <laughs> he's always faithful. He's always there. He gets us through anything when we let him. And if we fight against it, it's just harder. It just takes longer. And I trusted him with you guys. When both you and your sister went through the most difficult things when you were in college and high school, And I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do with this. I can't fix this. And God said, trust me, pray, 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 pray. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I still trust him. And he ordered your steps and you listened and you followed and you've got your own journey. And I'm reminded that I was just like you guys, making good choices, making bad choices. I ended up following him. I trusted him to point you guys towards him and trust that he would keep, wooing you his direction it all starts with the trust part and then he honors a hundred percent of the time even when I don't honor a hundred percent of the time
0: oh it's so good I feel like mic drop in the episode this is done just after that it was so so good thank you for sharing truly as you were talking I was thinking about when Paul talks about in, in the New Testament endurance, and when we have trials and you persevere, then it builds endurance. And that's total paraphrase. I can't remember off the yes. top of my head exactly what verse that is. But it's so what you've done in your life. You know, you've pressed into God, like you said, through the good, through the the hard through the challenging, through the sad, through the grief, through everything, and just pressed in, pressed in, persevered, persevered, kept chasing him. And you didn't say you were perfect. You said you messed up too. But there was grace, and God was with you through it, constantly wooing you to him. And then you just keep doing it, keep doing it, and that builds your your faith muscles, if you will. So now, like you and Steve, you had your first fight this year. You're not going to divorce because of that because you've learned the tools of how you know, how to trust God with everything, truly. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So incredible. I really, if someone asks me, you know, about my personal story, I tell them every time I learned a lot from my mama. Mm. It's so true. I learned a lot about the Lord. You really are who taught me about the Lord growing up and just seeing you worship. And I always knew that Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 about trusting the Lord was your favorite verse. And it's one of my very favorite verses as well. We danced when you were single and I was single living with you. Um, After college, after you and dad had divorced, we learned, I really just learned how to dance in the kitchen with Jesus in that apartment with you. You taught me just to dance with Jesus, you know, just to dance with him. I remember we danced. I could only imagine. And now here I am with two babies, Judah and Selah, and we dance and have our dance parties in the kitchen, you know, worshiping and it's just such a legacy. And so mm-hmm. I praise the Lord for you. I thank God that he had us talk today. We didn't plan everything out. We just mm-hmm. let the Lord really take over and speak. And so I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, want to tell you thank you. Thank you for being my mom. Thank you for speaking to all of us about what you've learned in your journey and just being really seeing the fruit of what he's done, seeing your joy and just being obedient to him because it's obvious. He does the work. You know, we do our best and he does the rest. And he really, he is the one that blesses and gives and brings the increase. And so I just praise the Lord for you being my mom and you being faithful to him. Mm-hmm. So the fun question that I like to ask everyone at the end of my each episode is if you can sit down with somebody from the past or present and hear their God stories, who would it be and why? It would be my mama Floyd, which is my mom's mom. Um,
1: she died when you were, when I was pregnant with you. Um, I was named after her. My middle name is Marie after her and Ashley's middle name is Marie after her. And, um, she was all of almost five. And
0: Ashley's daughter, Scarlett's middle name is Marie. Marie. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. there's a, a name
1: legacy going on, um, of the oldest girls. She was almost five feet tall. Um, she was a nurse. She was a tough cookie, and my favorite grandparent. But I didn't know her very well, even though I just thought she was the coolest lady. She was so classy. Um, she was married to my grandfather, who was an attorney, and he was he was so tough, and he was um, a recovering alcoholic, and her life was not easy. She grew up uh, the daughter of a farmer, um, in the the country of Iowa, in the country side in Iowa and um, she and her sister um, grew up on a farm and and their daddy was a circuit pastor Um, and I would love to have heard wait what's a circuit pastor that means they just went around um, preaching on the on Sundays at different churches he did Baptist churches and Methodist churches out in the country in the little farm towns he would preach in all the different little churches yeah it was really cool and I would love—I wasn't old enough to know to ask all the questions I wish I would have asked now. You know, I was still such a young person and a young mom. And boy, there's so many things I'd love to go right back and ask her now. Um, obviously, the spiritual questions and what was that like for you? And she became a Catholic so she could marry my grandfather. And just the journey. What was it like to be a pastor's kid? What was it like to be a farm kid? And she was the total opposite when she was married to my grandfather. They were socialites. So, I would love to know many, many things about her. I always just loved her dearly. And ironically, as we sit here, I look across my little prayer room here and there's a picture of her on our little family prayer jar.
0: Yeah, I love this. We, like mom said earlier, we're recording in their prayer room and they just got new furniture for it. But everywhere you look is little cool things from her time in Israel or time at this place or that place pictures of family kids and you know the word she gets each year there's a big sign that says trust and then one that says believe and one that says peace and it's just really a peaceful room and you can tell that there's a lot it's a it feels set apart you can tell that a lot of prayer and worship happens in here so cool I love that I'm sure you'll get to sit down with her in heaven and talk that would
1: (laughs) be so cool. cool
0: thank you mom I love you so much glad this worked out today. Thank you for sharing and being on. I know it's just gonna just really touch a lot of people.
1: Thank you for having me on. What an incredible honor. I'm so proud of you for doing this and all the people it's already reaching. So thank you.
0: Amen.